0: Good morning and welcome back. Uh, if you have stumbled upon this podcast, my name is Mitchell Weber. This is The Word. I am the host um, today for the uh, for this podcast, the series. We are walking through the book of Psalms with little uh, detours and excursions along the way. But welcome. If you're a new listener, welcome. Glad to have you on board. Glad you're listening in this morning. Um, super excited to be back. I do apologize for my long-term hiatus. I'm coming back from a little bit of a cold, and, you know, life happened. Uh, <laughs> we can all say we're busy. Everybody's busy, sure. Um, life just happened, but I had to make sure I prioritized my time with pharmacy. I had to make sure, you know, my upwork, my utmost uh, priority right now is my wife, making sure, spending quality time with her. Um, but I apologize for not uh, saying, hey, we're going to take a little break. But uh, thank you for being gracious with me as... Uh, kind of waiting uh, to see what happens with this so don't worry i'm not gone this isn't stopped i'm not just saying hey i'm done i can't do this anymore no um but i do want to say this i know i've kind of been stringing you along with all these different updates but we've gone from episode weekly to okay we're going to do it every other week now the way it's going to work from here on out is i'm going to upload an episode when i'm able to so i'm going to put in the time and energy um to prepare and pray and really um, mull over these chapters, um, but also understanding that there are other priorities in my life as well. I'm not saying I'm prioritizing things over my own spiritual walk. Please don't hear that. Um, but it, it does take a little extra to kind of put these episodes together, and that's okay. So just be on the lookout for that. I'll make sure I keep everything updated on the social media when an episode will be posted. I'll try and post something the day before one's out. Maybe it'll be the day of. So just be looking out for that. You can also keep track on the RSS link that's posted on the social social medias. Um, Or if you just want to check in on Spotify sometimes as well, you can see if there's any updated episodes there as well. So just keep an eye on that. But super excited to be back with you guys. Um, We're in Psalm chapter 6 this morning. And uh, this is an important Psalm, important chapter of the book of Psalms. So I'm super excited to get to spend this time with you guys and work through it. There's a lot we can learn from it, a lot to glean from it. Um, I don't have anything new to say. I am not some great oracle or interpreter. I am merely an instrument of God. I am a sinner uh, in need of God's mercy and grace. Christ is my Savior. I'm just kind of walking through you guys, what I'm learning, and hopefully it's fruitful for you as well. It's fruitful for my life. I hope I'm able to share it in a good fashion uh, to you all as well. So if you think this is uh, not great... You don't have to listen. That's totally fine. Um, but just realize, you know, I'm I'm not perfect. This isn't about me. I'm just trying to share with you guys what I'm learning as I as I go through the Book of Psalms here. So what we'll do, uh, we'll pray, we'll read through the book, and we will we'll hop right into this. Super excited! So let's pray. Heavenly Father, gracious Lord, uh, thank you so much for allowing us to come together again uh, to dive into Your Word. Excuse me, to... To just read and hear your words. God, I pray that you speak to us now. Lord, we ask that you bless this time. Lord, I ask and pray that uh, nothing comes out of my mouth that isn't from you, Father. Lord, I pray if it's of my own opinion, Father, if I'm just trying to use my own uh, feeble wisdom, whatever it might be, Father, I I pray that it goes in one ear and out the other if it is not from you. Father, I pray people hear your word this morning, only your word go forth, Lord. Uh, I just I want to make that so acutely aware, Father. Lord, I pray that we just glean from your word here in chapter 6 of Psalms. Lord, be with my brothers and sisters. If they're ill, if they're traveling, whatever it might be, Father, heal them, protect them, keep them safe. Lord, I pray this is a fruitful time for us all. Lord, we pray your gospel goes out and touches many hearts across this globe. Lord, we need it, especially now. Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Okay. This is Psalm chapter 6. This is the word of God. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver me. Oh, save me for your mercy's sake, for in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? I am weary with my, with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my tears, my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. This is the word of God, Psalm chapter 6. This is David speaking here. Maybe you caught on as we were working through it. But interestingly enough, the, uh, we'll say a subtitle uh, of this psalm is, it, it's a penitential, it's a penitent psalm, a penitential psalm. So what does that mean? I look that up too. wasn't uh, quite familiar with that term. It means repentant. And, and like I said, you could probably catch on as we're reading through the, uh, these verses, but you can pick a couple out. David is in uh, deep distress. He is distraught. He's actually physically hurting and spiritually hurting as well. He describes it there, and we'll get to that here in a second. But David is feeling the weight of unrepentant sin, sin upon his life that he has not repented of, and he's getting to it here in chapter 6. And we are fortunate enough to have the Word of God to see how it has had an effect on this man's life. And how David is properly dealing with it. How he is repenting of his sins. And turning towards God. Because God, Christ, is our Savior. Christ is David's Savior. And he realizes that and recognizes that in chapter 6. But we see the painful effects of sin on our lives if we go about unrepentant of it. And in fact, the the distress that David's in, we don't, we don't quite... Often see that, which is quite interesting, uh, particularly in David's life. Um, unless we're reading here in uh, like Second Samuel, for example, when when we read of some of Daniel's sin there, and how it just absolutely de- demolishes this man, and and just how he grieves over it, and we get a special insider's look, if you will, here in chapter six, right? So we see he's in a he's in a deep distress. Right? But we see the product of this deep distress. And it's in this first penitential psalm, repentant psalm, one of sorrow, humiliation, and hatred of sin. So let us begin then here in verse 1. David proclaims, do not rebuke me in your hot Anger instead, please have mercy upon me. He's crying out to God, Lord, please don't rebuke me in your hot anger. Have mercy upon my soul. Have mercy upon your servant. David realizes he is deserving of punishment. He is God is absolutely just to punish us. Right? He is absolutely just. David's crying out for mercy. He realizes he he deserves the punishment from his sins, from choosing sin over Christ. But note this, friends, listen in here. Notice that he does not say, Lord, withhold your judgment from me. God, just look the other way. I'll, I won't do it again. Uh, Lord, so sorry. No, he says, he asks him to withhold something. He asks, to, he asks God to withhold turning the rod into a fiery sword of judgment. Remember back a few chapters ago, even the word of God can make any man dust, Just the spoken word of God, if you reread uh, Genesis chapter 1, when we read God creating literally everything, he's speaking it into existence. How much more so can the word of God, can his mere breath, just absolutely wipe us from ever existing? And David is pleading, Lord, withhold the fiery sword, use the rod. David has a good understanding of... of of the actions he has committed and the consequences of them, either good or bad. He has an understanding that his actions have consequences. In fact, how you respond to those consequences might be an indicator of your maturity, right? When when we speak of consequences, I think we almost always, I might be going on a limb here, but we might always we might have a, a, an inclination to think, oh, something bad, a, a negative thought, a negative connotation comes to consequences. But I would argue that that's not always so. Sometimes the good things we do, sometimes the things we do, we have good consequences that come from them. And I'm not saying that should be a mean, uh, means to your end. What I'm saying is if you were to, I don't know, help somebody pick up the groceries they just dropped, right? Maybe they reward you with a $5 tip, right? It's kind of a silly example, but that's a consequence of your action of doing something nice for that person. But I would argue how you deal with those consequences of your action is an indicator of your maturity. Because if you take that picking up the groceries, getting that $5 reward and prancing it around, freighting it around, being prideful and arrogant with it, what does that say about your maturity? And vice versa, when, when you do something maybe, let's say, bad, and, and, and you have a negative, uh, you get in trouble. You get punished for it. And, and it causes you to get angry. And you just, you have hate. And you're just filled with hate in your heart. Instead of maybe realizing the thing you did was wrong. Coming to terms with it. And turning away from it. Mending what was, what was broken. And pursuing Christ. I would argue it's an indicator of your maturity. I think that's important here as we're looking at David in chapter 6 for this instance, right? Are you ready to accept what is to come upon you based how you act? That is something we need to ask ourselves daily. It's so important. In fact, I think about it as myself, for myself as a pharmacist, how I interact with patients, how I treat them. In fact, it is ingrained in our hearts, in our minds, when we are in the classroom setting, when we're out on our rotations, how you treat patients. How would you want your own family to be treated? That's a common example. If your grandmother, for example, your mom or your dad was in a healthcare setting, how would you want, do- how would you want the doctors to treat them? The, the best care possible. Treat them with respect. Be nice. If we're going to hold that same expectation upon themselves, we need to make sure we're pointing the finger at ourselves as well. So our actions matter, and the consequences that come from our actions matter as well, because it's an indicator of where your heart is at. Remember Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. It says this, God chastises those he loves. Right, I'm paraphrasing a bit there. But really read that whole chapter because it is about the love of God towards his people. Love, here referred to as rebuke, which is often one of the greatest forms of love. Listen, friends, just as in Hebrews 12, where correction may not be joyous, but grievous at times, it produces righteousness. And in fact, this brings up an interesting point. I'm not going to get into too much detail here, but this kind of came came upon my mind as I was reading through chapter six, is some of these words that uh, we use sometimes. I think sometimes I call it, people might call it Christian lingo, and I'll be transparent with you. Some of these words, uh, I'm not saying that the words I'm using now, but sometimes I come across a word, I'm like, man, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? I need to kind of get a better understanding. I think what I'm going to try and do is sprinkle a little bit of Uh, a couple word studies here and there throughout our psalm study. We'll take a break from Psalms and we'll look at a word and we'll just, we'll we'll rip it apart, basically. We're going to look at uh, the full aspect of it and try to get a good good understanding. Um, But anyways, something important. Uh, Just as in Hebrews 12, I'll I'll mention it again, where correction may not be joyous, but grievous at times, it produces righteousness. In fact, I heard an an example recently you know, sometimes people ask that that famous question: Why would God? Why would a good God allow this to happen? Why would He let allow that to happen? Think about it this way: When you when you, when you're praying, and think about it, the past 10, 15, 20 years of your life, however however long you want to think back to, and you you maybe been praying to God for I don't know wisdom. Maybe you've been pre- praying for repentance. That's a gift from God too. Maybe you're praying for courage or strength. Did does did did, did God just? Give it to y'all willy-nilly? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on a limb here and say no. Maybe if you've been praying for wisdom, you've been presented with challenges, puzzles, things you need to kind of strategize about. Why? Because in doing so, if you take those and you work through them, what is produced, for example, in that wisdom in that wisdom example? Maybe you become a little wiser in how you deal with those situations. You can speak to a certain event. You can relate to somebody else a little bit better. Maybe you can understand something a little more and speak more directly to it. You have to be careful so you don't go to one extreme or another. But they should ultimately point you back to Christ because what is Christ? He is the ultimate source of everything. He is the source of wisdom, knowledge, power, strength. It should cause you to turn back to Him. And praise him. Comfort. I read this quote recently. I can't remember where I got it from, but please know it wasn't mine. But it says this Comfort breeds worldliness, discomfort causes us to look unto him. Think about that. Mole over that. Why is that important? Moving on into verse 2 David is pleading for mercy. We kind of already mentioned about it in in verse 1, but he's pleading for mercy. And it's grounded upon the feeble state of a human, the feeble state of David. And David pleads for the mercy briefly discussed in verse 1. In fact, this is a proper response. David's saying, basically, I am weak. You, Lord, are strong. David doesn't plead to him because he's been righteous. No, obviously that's not the case. David is in, is in sin right now. He's repenting of a sin. He's in absolute distress. He's in physical and spiritual pain, as we'll get to in a second. But he pleads because he is frail and sinful. He needs strength. David is crying out and he's saying, Heal me. My bones are weak. This is how much David was grieved. Listen to this, friends. To the point his bones ached. The original text might be best translated as this. It might say, I am one who droops. He was so grieved. So grieved. The fact his own body could not even stand upright. He was a sad sight, unfortunately. And he continues this description in verse 3. He says, His soul is greatly troubled, and then abruptly ends out of nowhere. But you, O oh Lord, how long? And it's hyphenated in between there, which is interesting. When the soul understands the weight of sin, the bones begin to ache. Oh, my word. This is the soul shift. Is this is this is this is an interesting part. This whole aspect, and I have a couple things written down that I wanted to read through real quick as I was thinking about this. I'll let you guys figure out what you think, um, and you can read through this yourselves. But these are just some interesting questions or thoughts that I had. Um, is this the soul shifting guilt onto the physical self in order to avoid judgment as a last ditch effort? I don't know. In Ephesians 5, we wage war not against flesh and blood, but the powers and principalities. It's spiritual warfare. Or maybe is it the condemnation of faith from the enemy? Is it the enemy that is saying, oh, you are worthless. You are, you are too far from God. You will never be saved. You see, you did this. You don't love him. Or is it maybe this? Is it the proof of the intertwining of the flesh and the spirit that the outward, that the outward physical self aches? as an outward expression of pain of the soul when sin occurs and causes and reveals separation. right? It's, I have a couple, These are a couple notes on, on the flesh and the spirit, the pain in between. But I think what we need to gather from this specific verse is that David's soul was greatly troubled. It understood that the sin that David committed, that the sin that he chose over Christ, is absolutely crushing him. For the bones to ache is one thing, but what matter is it if the soul is firm and the bones shake? Right, our true agony and some, the agony that David was experiencing here arises when the soul too shakes. David's soul was shaking. It wasn't just his bones that were aching; his soul was sore. In fact, I think that's how he describes it here in chapter six. Um, my soul is—he says—my soul is also greatly troubled. Isn't it amazing? But mercy for the physical, I'm sorry, but his, his agony arises when the soul to shakes. It's really interesting. And he moves on here into verse 4. David continues his plea with a call upon the Lord and his loyal love. David pleads not to move God, but to move himself. David asks in his mercy's sake, in the Lord's mercy's sake, because he knows Christ will rescue those whom ask upon him. In verse 5, David says something really interesting as well here. He says, in the grave there is no remembrance of you. It's it's a very peculiar verse, and it, it seems that David is saying, Lord, if I am destroyed by you, how can I praise you? How can I remember your goodness and mercy towards me? He's a spare me so I can do just that, so I can continually praise you. Is he bargaining? I don't, it's one of the ways, one of the commentaries I read kind of described it, that David was almost, saying, say, quote-unquote, bargaining with the Lord. If you do this, I will praise you continuously. And maybe maybe that is a good way to describe it. I don't know. I'm still wrestling with it. I had a great discussion about that with my wife, actually. Uh, one of the interesting points she brought up was talking about how, like, when we give our lives to the Lord, we're saying, Lord, save me. My life is yours. I will live my life for you. Almost kind of sells... Sounds equivalent. So, interestingly enough, I mean, it, it's hard to discern. Um, I'm just kind of letting you know what I'm thinking and what I'm what I'm working through as well. It's exciting, but realize that that David is just he's broken by the sin upon his life, and he's remembering the consequences of sin, unrepentant sin. Those who are not in Christ it is eternal death, eternal separation from God. David knew whether he lived or he died, it was praise to his God. In verse six, six, 6 through 7, we see an absolute distraught man. Even more so, we get more vivid language here. He says, What is he saying here? In, in, in verse, uh, I think, what was it? 6 and 7. Um, let me get to it real quick. He says I am weary with my groaning all night I make my bed swim I drench my couch with my tears my eye wastes away because of grief it grows old because of because of all my enemies the eye of the man whose eye twinkled with lust towards his his neighbor's wife Bathsheba is now dim and it is old with grief and sorrow to the point he is almost Blind. I mean, listen to the language he uses there. He says that his eye is literally wasting away because he has done nothing but cry and weep because of this destructive effect sin has had upon his life. And again, to the point where he is almost blind. But interestingly enough, we have a break in tone. We have a shift in tone from from verses really one through seven to verses eight here, and he says this. He says, "Depart from you, me, you workers of iniquity or lawlessness." He was so assured, and this is the confidence of the man of God. He was so assured that the Lord has heard his pray that the Lord had heard his prayer that he rebukes all those who criticize him. Right, that the evil they tried to do, that the evil they tried to do to him, will and has come full circle back to them, so that it is repaid upon them. If you will, I think one of the commentaries that I was reading was was the fact that some of these people were 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 chastising David. were just they were doing unspeakable things. They were saying unspeakable things. But he's saying, "Woe to you, for all you workers of iniquity, those who are workers of lawlessness, who do not practice uh, obedience to Christ." The same evil that you're speaking upon, me, it will come back to you. It has come back to you full circle. He says, woe to you who rejoice in the suffering of a child of God, for that evil will be repaid upon you tenfold in that great day. And that is judgment day. So what can we draw from from these ten verses here in Psalm chapter 6? I think it's something along the lines of this. Repentance is a practical thing. But we cannot just lament, but we must also scourge out the weeds and overturn the tables of the money changers in our lives, right? I I love the gardening example. I heard it early on in my life, and it is something that has stuck with me for some time now. But think of your life as a garden, and you you want to plant beautiful flowers, shrubs, bushes, whatever you want. And you want to get rid of the the dandelions, the weeds, the crabgrass. You want to get it out. So what do you do? You pull them out. You have to get the full root out. But what do you do in place of that? You have to plant something there. You have to fill it with good soil or else what? You have to make sure you get the full root out. If you don't, what happens? It comes back, right? And it's a common theme throughout the word of God. We don't just see God saying, stop doing that. And then the verse ends. He says, stop doing that. Do this instead. And it is more often than not a call to obedience or repentance in the life of a Christian, those who are following after Christ. So I think we ask that question, then. What is repentance? It comes, how it comes about might differ person to person, but it is the language that bridges all language. It is a return, excuse me, to Christ. Right? It is one to be appalled by sin. Right? You are playing, think of it as this way. It is playing the part of an adulterer in a marriage relationship to be absolutely appalled by a horrific act. It is then a making of amends, an acceptance of consequences, an unexpected and undemanded forgiveness. So when we when we do something sinful, we don't. Our response should not be demanding forgiveness, expecting forgiveness, from, especially if it was against. Let's say a close friend, a spouse, somebody you respect highly. You don't sit there and demand forgiveness from them. That is not the proper response. It is unexpected and undemanded forgiveness. You feel the depth of the pain from that sinful act, from separation from Christ. You have a behavioral change and then left speechless and astounded by the forgiveness of God. It's multifaceted. There are multiple things that all go into this. But I think the key thing to remember here is it's not merely just a behavior change. It has to be a heart change. You have to understand why. One of the big things that I've been learning so far in my marriage to my wonderful wife is that I cannot just say, I am sorry about something. If I don't voice my understanding of why I am sorry about something... How can she trust me? How can she fully understand or think, man, does he really mean, is there really any meaning behind that sorry? Or is he just saying it to settle the waves, to quiet the waves? You have to have an understanding why. And that understanding must push you back to Christ. It must make you face full forward to Christ and run to him in in absolute obedience, needing him, trusting him, Asking for forgiveness and trusting him as your savior. Because what he has is far better than anything this earth has to offer. A broken spirit, broken and contrite heart, leads to godly grief. Ask for repentance. It is a gift from God. That is more often than not the first step. Ask for it. Ask for repentance from God. I think it is proper to close with this quote from John Piper, one of the, we'll say, profound uh, or well-known theologians uh, of today. He says this, The more glimpses we have of the glory of God, the more we mourn the scourging of that glory. Friends, may we read Psalm chapter 6 and understand the necessity of repentance in our lives, of choosing sin over Christ. I pray that this has touched you in some some way or another in your life. I encourage you to reread through this, to pray over it, to, to glean from it. This is, it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful chapter. It's a, it's a sad chapter. It's a hard chapter, but it is necessary. And it's something we need to apply to our lives daily, something we can learn from David here. I'm excited to get back into this with you guys. Um, praying for you all. Please continue to pray for myself and my wife. Um, Just so happy that uh, we have this opportunity to do this. So with that, uh, that'll close this episode out. Until next time, this has been the Word. God bless.